0: Back on the podcast, I'm Sheldon and I'm Nate, and we are recording from a laptop tonight because <laughs> we don't know why. Has just had all kinds of technical malfunctions oh, to get to this point. I know why. We're not gonna go there. No, tonight. we won't
1: go there. But I know why. Yeah, I know why.
0: Anyway, <laughs> we're glad to be here sharing with you guys. Uh, I've successfully seen The Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. And uh, and like thirty years after everyone else. No, yes. what is
1: it? At least thirty years. Yeah, it came out in nineteen eighty, I believe, is when. Oh, uh, eighty. So forty was, years. Yeah, I think it was eighty. I'm pretty sure it was eighty. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's good. It is funny though because I made the statement to someone before I. W- it's always interesting to me to watch something again with somebody who hasn't watched it, and I've I've expressed right. this before, because you get to see it through fresh eyes i mean it's like you 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 get to see it for the first time because you're analyzing it in a way that you don't it's just a movie that i've loved since i was a little kid i still love it but i i would have told you leading up to this that raiders of the lost ark was my favorite indiana jones film and now i'm gonna backtrack on that based on uh, you did tell me that right yeah, before we watched and, it and i still agree it's great but i think um i think that uh, the third movie The Last Crusade is actually the best of them and I, so Sheldon has yet to see that one but I'll be interested to get his opinion on that I thought it was good there there were like some pretty there are plot holes that you could drive a truck Oh, through, totally
0: but there was also like I still don't know what exactly was supposed to be coming out of the Ark of the Covenant <laughs> <laughs> and if you had just like Indy said lightning fire the power of God or something <laughs> And apparently spooky looking ghosts that yes. are supposed to look really beautiful. Yes. And then my interpretation dry your eyes yeah. out and make your face melt Yeah. Off. My
1: interpretation of that has always been that it's basically the angel of death because there were people opening it and handling it that weren't supposed to. And so yeah. the angel of death visited upon them in yeah. very dramatic fashion.
0: It is funny though, because we do have recorded history of people opening the Ark of the Covenant. Right none of this stuff happened to no
1: no there there were (coughs) ceremonies by which you could do that but we do have things of people touching it and dying touching the ark itself yes yes. yeah so yeah it but it's a fun movie and and when you really realize that the whole thing was based out of george lucas loving old like serial uh shorts that were done in like these adventure you know kind of things that's what he based the whole thing on uh That's that's where it came from. I was moving a piano last week, and
0: I had a two by four. You screw it into the back of it, a small like apartment size piano. There was a place that you could screw into the back of the piano. Yeah. And so you put a two by four across the back, and then a two by four underneath the keys on the front, and you could lift on it. Yeah. I said and carry it like the Ark of the Covenant. (laughs) (laughs) Dad's like, don't touch it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I will say though, the the actual visual. Depiction of the ark is my favorite depiction of the ark of the covenant in in any iteration, drawings or whatever. It's my oh, favorite one. yeah,
0: with the the cherubim are smaller than I imagined. Yeah, and but, but I like okay. how they're
1: like bowed forward. Right. Like toward, it's just a cool. It's a cool image. I it was, like it. It was
0: actually pretty biblical in that, yeah. that part. Yeah. But nothing else.
1: Yeah. No, nothing else. It's it's <laughs> it. And the thing is, the ark really is very much a cursory point to the whole. It's just a MacGuffin for the right. movie. It really is. It's it doesn't. It doesn't really matter.
0: It was kind of weird how they locked them in a vault with a big old stone that nobody <laughs> has managed to be able to get into for years and years and years and years. And they're out in less than 15 <laughs> seconds. That's like,
1: basically the premise of pretty much Indiana Jones, every Indiana Jones movie. A yeah. possible situation, we're going to get out of it in seconds. In and, uh, and seconds or less. Yes. And we should be dead. Barely an inconvenience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> super now, easy barely an inconvenience yeah, i'm gonna have to show you their uh pitch meeting for <laughs> indiana jones and the last crusade now it's or not last crusade the yes. te- uh oh my gosh i can't even think of the names raiders. raiders of the lost ark i'm getting them all confused and jumbled but yeah it was it was fun it was fun watching it with sheldon uh, but i've 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 amended i've amended my original statement i think that the last crusade is the best of the indiana jones movies and i think sheldon will agree when he sees it finally but, yes, our podcast will be less frequent because we're watching movies
0: instead of recording. We so. are we're enjoy watching this movies while you have it. yeah,
1: we're watching movies, we're hanging out. It's just good. yeah, we've yeah. just we've just hit a point where, Other things are
0: taking some good priority here Yeah, this is a great hobby And we we enjoy doing it We're going to keep doing it as we have time
1: Yes, (laughs) yes, yes
0: But that's not why we're here Never,
1: never why we're here
0: (laughs) Whatever we open with Maybe this is a bad way to open a podcast It's funny because I realized
1: that a lot of the topical slash news podcasts that I listen to They literally make their opening phrase the title of the podcast I'm like, man, if we did that Nobody would have any idea what we were talking about because it would never land where we start off. Right. <laughs> you have to get through the first 10 minutes. That's right. That's right. So it's for those like, of you that have it's persevered. It's like Joe
0: Rogan in that regard. Oh, I fast forward the first like seven minutes of every podcast to get through the commercials.
1: Yeah. All of his. I appreciate at least that he does them all up front. <laughs> yeah. Flipping Ben Shapiro drives me nuts with that. He's like, and a commercial break. I'm like, you are not a TV station. Do them all at the top <laughs> and be done. Uh, On the things we say, we offer you no commercials whatsoever. No commercials whatsoever. This is costing us money. Yes. It costs us money and we gain nothing <laughs> except the pleasure of our own opinions. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing.
0: <laughs> I don't know where to go with that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, a couple of weeks ago, one of our friends put to us the idea of talking about the difference between holiness and and religion Mm -hmm. and since we're both pastors this was intriguing to us and so we're like all right let's let's do this but more than anything it's something that i'm actually really passionate about like it's it's something i care a lot about but i would have never put it in those terms like religion over here and holiness over here but the more you talk about it the more it becomes obvious that these two things are at odds yeah like i would say i don't people are like, what religion are you? And I'm like, it's not really a religion. It's more of like a relationship with someone I become acquainted with. Like my, my relationship with God has built over time. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, I don't know, it's not just an adherence to a set of principles or something that I believe in an abstract way. It's like every part of my life. Right.
1: So, so for me, it's that way, but Did you have something that you wanted to say there? No, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's very interesting to me because I, I was raised in a so-called holiness denomination right? where the language of holiness, and I don't say so-called to say that in like a, but they're actually not. (laughs) I'm saying it because it is a title. It is a title. It is a, it is a identifier. Um, And I had that, that gave me advantages and disadvantages. One, because it gave me the language of holiness all my life. I've heard sanctification. I've heard about purity of heart. I've heard all these things all my life and some of them clicked and some of them didn't until more recent years. But I also had the advantage of seeing it lived out well yeah, in multiple cases. Um, and so it's, a, it's an intriguing thing to be brought up in a holiness denomination because sometimes the message can get lost in the language. Um, and I'm a really good example of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. So (laughs) I also got
0: my wife, Jess, she's often better with words than I am. And so I was like, Hey, what are your thoughts on that? So she sent me a few of them and, and it's helpful. I, the, the first thing that delineates religion and holiness in my mind is that religion asks the wrong question. Most of the time when people come to a religion, they ask the question, what is it? that I have to do? What do I have to do to please God? What, what does he want from me? Like, what is my list of things that I need to do or not do right. to please God? Right. Right. That's, that's a very religious question. And many religions have tried to answer that. You get to God by doing this, 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 and this, and by not doing this, this, and this. Right. Holiness says, is there anything that I'm holding back? Mm-hmm. What is it that I'm holding back? That's the barometer. It's not, it's not a list of do's and don'ts. Don't like, don't do this or do all of this and you have right relationship with God. It's like, I don't know if you're in right relationship with God or not. What is it that you're holding back? Yeah. Like, is there, is there something where I'm not submitting to him in some way? Right. And that thing if i won't submit it to god when he exposes it to me and says hey this isn't this is a thing i'd like you to surrender if my immediate answer is not yes there's there's something going on right so right. for for me that's one of the biggest differences between religion and actual like holy like holy living or having a a pure heart right. kind of thing
1: right right and you know i think it's i think it's interesting too because you you have to start with um, the idea of, of coming to Christ initially is not a realization of what you do. It's a realization that you can't do anything. Right. So you start off realizing, no, I am, I am a sinner. I have done this. I have, I have transgressed against God. I have offended God with the things that I have thought, the things that I have done, and I can't do anything to fix it. There is no penance. Right. There is no uh, There is no set of words that I can say. There is nothing that I can do to fix it. Yeah. Only he can. And so you start on the premise of I can do nothing, but he's already done everything. And that continues on into the idea of holiness. What happens though is people will come and they'll, they'll be repentant. They'll, they'll be grieved. They'll be convicted and they'll realize I've, I've sinned and I need forgiveness and only God can forgive me. And then they go, and now I'm going to fix myself by doing all the things. And even some will offload, offload their sin. Yeah. And
0: say, you know, God, I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me of my sin and take that from me. And he's faithful and he will do that. Right. But then, like you said, walk out the door and say, now I've got to work on, I've got to fix myself.
1: Right. Right. Which again, it, it just doesn't work. It yeah. Never has Even worked. if
0: you have asked God to be your, be your savior, like save me from my sin, he's faithful to do that. But then the whole, like, how do I fix my life? How do I keep from going back there? All of that question. Yeah. may not be answered for people in that first right. moment
1: and I was one of those I mean we've right. talked about that before right. but for me it was that that I almost treated um and not in an irreverent way it was lack of understanding for me again yeah. which is interesting because I was in a holiness movement the, the language was there I could have I could have talked you through it but it didn't hit my heart until later um, I didn't fully come to understand it li- until later but I almost treated God like detox like I would I would get so convicted about the things I was doing, the things I was thinking, and I would come to right. him and I would say, hey, forgive me for this. Take this from me. You know? and, and like you said, he was always faithful to do it. There was absolution. There was relief. And then I would go out and I would build it up again to the point I couldn't stand it, and then I would come back in repentance, and it was just this cycle. And it wasn't until I realized that there was a different level of relationship that I needed to come to where the thing I needed to do was surrender. Right. The thing I needed to do was give up and say, bless you. Sorry. <laughs> and not say, bless you. That was not the thing. <laughs> and basically say, I know I can't do this on my own. Yeah. I need you to change something else in me and I need to be willing to give whatever you ask me to give. Um, and that was huge. That was a, that was a turning point for me and has continued to be a turning point. Um, I've still not walked that out perfectly. I still have days and things that I, that I fight with. I have things that I want to hold on to that. I'm not willing to give up, even though I know it's for my better, um, that's still just a reality for me. And and I think that's part of the continuing yes. I know that no matter what. I am eventually going to say yes to anything God is asking for in my life. Right. I have made that determination long ago. The question is, how quickly am I willing to let it go? <laughs> that's what it comes down to is how much of my will am I fighting to hold on and fighting to keep this thing that, again, I know is toxic and I know I don't need or I know I don't want or I know even if it's just a completely amoral thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not whatever, but he's just asking for it. Sometimes I just get my fingers dug in and I'm like, I'm just not quite there yet. Yeah. Um. But he's faithful in that too. And that he will, he will make a transformation in your heart to even help you lose a desire. And again, there are things that you physically have to do. There are things that you sometimes have to take step in and in faith and say, God, I don't feel this, but I'm going to choose to lay this down. Right. And it's, I know it's still in my heart, but I'm going to lay it down, but I need you to remove it from my heart. Cause I can't do that. And, um, that's a big thing. That's a continual thing. It's yeah. a forever thing people. I like how you, you
0: talked about treating, uh, the altar as like detox, like yeah. going to the altar, get basically saved from your sins again, like offload that sin and being like, I need to do this or go into confession or whatever right. it is to unload your sin issue. But oftentimes people look to Jesus as savior Without recognizing him as Lord, right, and and saying like no, you you honestly have every right to every part of me, right, whatever you ask of me, and settling that yes issue is a big part of getting that pure heart inside of you, where you, where you begin to desire the things that he desires, and they start to align. Yeah, like that's a that's a major part of it. Saying, God, all of this is yours. Mm-hmm. Not not you don't just get Sunday, but you get what I do for a living. You get my family, you get down to my house, my car, any decision, like whatever it is, it's all yours.
1: Right. And for me, it's even though I've, even though I've had this struggle and I've had this thing where I've come to the realization of all of this later in life. And it's not recently later. I mean, I was like 19 when when I finally understood all this. So that was a while ago now. Um, but for me, uh, it was, kind of lost my train of thought I think
0: what did you just say remind me oh I was just talking about total surrender like every area of your life every aspect
1: yeah I totally blanked in the middle of my statement it'll come back to me in a moment I'm okay with that I think uh, one of Jess's
0: points was that religion cares about how things look to others holiness may not always look right to others it may be more complicated and confusing Mm. kind of like the Old Testament prophets they looked a little crazy yeah And if you look at the early church, some of those things that they did were out of the norm. Yeah. And religion is worried about looking good. Like what what must I do to keep up appearances or to look good or look like I have things ordered? Right. And holiness is saying things within my heart are so ordered that. If the Lord even asks me to do something a little bit outside the norm, for me, that's obedience and right. it's it's gonna happen. Right. Like whether or not it makes me personally look good, or yeah. I think it's gonna make me look
1: good. Well, and I think that's a sim- a very simplistic view, but a correct one of holiness is is holiness takes something into yourself. Right. Religion puts things on others. And and you see that in certain religions where the incumbency is on and you see this even in christianity and in, in some some extreme forms where say the the issue of lust the incumbency is put on a woman and right. say well the issue with my lust is that you are dressed this way you are not doing this you are not yeah. doing that i'm like okay hang on a second. i lust
0: because women are dressed immodestly right so we have to change the women right like the, yeah
1: and so and and honestly uh you know fundamentalist islam has taken that same that same approach you know you would look at uh, a, a woman in a full uh, uh, burka—you know, all all you see is her eyes—and even some they don't even do that; they have veils over their eyes too. And it's it's not about purity; it's about lust. It's about like I don't want to have to have self control, so you cover up anything that could possibly make me lust, and you deal with my problem. I'm right. not going to deal with it. And again, I'm not, I'm not throwing stones because the same thing has happened in Christian culture in certain fundamentalist right. aspects, too. It's not unique to Islam. It's not unique to any religion. But when you put upon somebody else to either make your life easier <laughs> in a spiritual uh, sense right. or to just simply control what's going on because you think it has to be a certain way, that's religion. That's not holiness. Never has been. Right. It's outside form that makes no heart difference. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you need to look no further than the life of Jesus to see that acted out. Yeah. Because every person he came in contact with, yes, there was an expectation of go and sin no more, but there was not a list. There was not a, okay, go do this, go do that. And then once you've fixed all that up, you can come on back and we'll and we'll deal. And the re- the religious leaders
0: of Jesus' they did have an extensive list of what you needed to do to be in right relationship with God. And they weren't totally wrong. They were trying to be faithful to the old Testament law and actually had thought a lot about it. In other words, like Jesus is walking through the wheat field and his disciples are picking some of the heads of grain and eating it. And they get in trouble for harvesting on a, on, on a Sabbath day. Right. And that's because they had took the idea of resting on a Sabbath Okay, what does it mean to rest? Well, it means not working. Well, what is work? And had actually boiled it down to its very essence and said, This is work, this is not work, this right. is work, this is not work. Right. And Jesus comes on the scene and is like, Okay, they were hungry, they ate the grain as they were walking through. They're they're not working. Yeah. But to you, by your definition, you're saying they're working. And he's like, their hearts are in the right place. Right. So to him, pure heart. Right, right, and and, and religion it, was very concerned with the outside right. form. Well,
1: and it's even interesting though because I I always gave the Pharisees a bad rap, right? You know, in in up until recently, you know, having some some discoveries about Me the too. New Testament and the intertestamental period, and I always looked at them like these guys are all just jerks. They're just like, you know, they're they're just horrible people. Well, even who today, just wanna, if you call someone a Pharisee, it's a derogatory right, term. Right. But I've come to the realization that what they were doing was still from a place of wanting to pursue God. It was not from a place of we want control. It was not from a place of we want power. Now, again, there was definitely some of that. But what it was about was you looked at, okay, here's the law of God. How do we stay as far away as possible from breaking that law? And they went to these extremes that God himself never laid out. Right. You know, all kinds of rules, all kinds of regulation. It became bondage. Um, And not only that, but one of the biggest things that was huge for me was was understanding that – that they believed that if all of Israel could keep the law perfectly for just one day, the Messiah would come and and God would establish his kingdom on the earth. Everything that he wanted to be fulfilled through the Israelites would be fulfilled. And so they were striving for the kingdom of God. But the problem is they were striving for the kingdom of God, right? It was from a place of genuine desire and genuine, I, I would say not pure hearts, but pure motives which are not always the same thing. But yeah. it ended up being a mess and it being ended up being the very thing that killed Jesus. Yeah. It, it's
0: interesting like Jesus's theology and his teaching aligned very well with the Pharisees. Yes. They actually hadn't got all that much wrong right. about the about what God was saying. Mm-hmm. And in and, and the difference one one of the di- main differences between Pharisees and Sadducees is that the Sadducees denied a resurrection could take place. Yeah. They did not believe in the resurrection of the dead at all. Right. And the Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead. They believed in angels. Yes. And the Sadducees did not. Like Jesus's teachings on almost every point of difference between the two religious sects at the time aligned with the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. And yet he had, he had some very pointed things to say about how they were missing the heart of what God was saying. And so for me religion is all concerned about the outward appearance looking good on the outside hitting a certain set of codes yeah and in that way kind of being a country club like you you dress this way to get in you pay your dues you you keep up appearances and and you you know you fix your divots yeah and (laughs) and your heart like on on the other side it's about having a pure heart right you can you can almost look any sort of way and if you don't believe that you just have to look at david and ezekiel and a few other people examples peter right or or a a zealot that jesus had following him around as a disciple like you can look a lot of different ways and as long as you have that pure heart Mm -hmm. that's what the lord is concerned about and the and not whether or not you can get in the front doors of the country club
1: totally and the thing is that that pure heart will always lead to transformation you will not stay the same in that place your heart will be more drawn towards god it'll be more drawn towards the voice of the holy spirit you will hear things and understand things in a way that you haven't before and that revelation will bring change because all you want is to be close it changes from what do i have to do to get close to all i desire is to be close and i'm going to remove anything that hinders that relationship and and religion says the complete opposite of that what must i do to bring transformation Right. What's the list? How are, what are the things that will transform I me? Mean, no, no, no. It's the heart being pure that brings transformation. It's not transformation that leads to a pure heart. I like Paul's example of running a
0: race. He's yeah. like you you run a race and that means you're going to take off anything that hinders you. Yeah. Like you're going to run it in in a tank top and shorts. Yeah. You're not you're not going to run this race with anything else. Like Yeah. Any weight, any baggage, anything like that, you're going to cast it off. Yeah. And religion is more like, teach me how to be fast. Show yeah. me the step-by-step instruction that I need to do right. to get from point A to point B. And Paul is saying, run that race yeah. and throw off anything yeah. that hinders you. Just run.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting to me, too, because I, I've i only seen people ever get bitter and angry at the religious aspect of Christianity. If you really get into people that they can look at and say, man, but they really loved me. They really were this way. They really were that right. way. I'm like, yeah, that was a person who operated out of holiness. That wasn't a religious person. Yeah. And anybody, I don't care how angry they are at the church, how much they may hate Christianity. Anybody can point to a person and say, you know what? But they were the real deal. I still don't believe even, what they did, even but in I, their they were the real deal.
0: anger at Christianity, most people end up defining what it means to be a good Christian. Yeah. Like that person was hypocritical. What made them hypocritical? Well, they were always mean to me, or they yeah. They were judgmental, or they and I'm like so if that's a negative way of saying Christians should be loving. Right. Christians should be kind, Christians should be caring about
1: right. you. Right. Right. There's there's something you inherently know, like this is what it should look like. Right. And when you don't see it, it's very easy to call out. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. And uh,
0: the other thing about religion is that people care about about and this is one of Jess's points as well, religion cares that the holy people are pleased, quote unquote holy people. They it they're yeah. they're very concerned about the offices within a church. Like right. they straighten up when the pastor's around, right? right? But they're not religious people are not totally concerned with a standard for their life outside of their own yeah. or outside of the immediate person in authority over them. So I'm worried about what the pastor thinks, but not really worried about what God thinks of me in my private moment. Right. Right. Or what the people
1: I work with think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But, but I would, I would say that on the other side of that, if you care about real relation, if you're in a relational, if you relate to God in a relational way, you don't want to break that relationship, whether you're in front of a pastor or whether you're, with your wife or you're with your kids yeah. or you're at work or wherever you are, that it becomes a total life thing rather than oh, I'm going to straighten up and not swear right now. Cause the pastor's around right. like, yeah, <laughs> it always cracks me up how people straighten up around. Oh yeah. Anybody that's in religious authority. And I'm like,
1: it is a bomb that I love to drop when I'm in conversation with people. If
0: you don't respect if you're a complete atheist, what do you care about <laughs> what a pastor does, right? Yeah. Like, why do you care that he's a pastor? You wouldn't stop swearing. You don't believe his God is anything. Right. You you believe that all his code is ridiculous. Right. So why would you change who you are around him? Why do yeah. you care?
1: Yeah. If it's all a farce. I know it. I know it, man. It's it's, it's a, a bomb it's you a, like to drop, it, it is, man. It's so funny because th- the, 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 the change that you see. And again, I never initiate it but you know, you'll be having a conversation with somebody and they're swearing a ton or talking about this, that, and the other. And then they get around to eventually they look at you and say, well, what do you do? And then it's like, Oh, I'm a pastor. And you just see it. You see it in their eyes. There's just this like deer in the (laughs) headlights moment. And it's incredibly entertaining. And, and there's always a transition, you know, where they, one of two things happens. They either completely move off and get very fumbly and apologetic and they, don't want to talk so much anymore or they start making really bad pastor jokes you know about you know Ah. working one day a week or you know (laughs) not long ago it would have been always being on the golf course Uh, that one's kind of faded a little bit you don't hear that one quite as often Uh, and then of course you get the tv preachers and the big money You know, Uh, what's your mission like? You just want everybody's money. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because we all know that you get into
0: pastoring to make a
1: ton of money. That's absolutely true. (laughs) Yeah. And again, I stand by I stand by my thing. If 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 you make a obscene amount of money pastoring or in politics, there's something wrong unless you write books. If you get them from books, that's okay, because that's a whole different thing. Or speaking fees. Speaking fees get a little squirrely (laughs) for me. Even even that. I was just going to say, yeah, even uh, that gets a little squirrely. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of self-dealing that can happen when you get into speaking fees. Yes. And, yes.
1: Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's very interesting.
0: Yeah. But if you write a book and tons of people buy it, I don't know how you can say like that's ill-gotten gain. No. I mean, if you wrote a book and tons of people bought it, yeah. Or you write a song and tons of people listen to it and you get money right. from it. I don't. I, we don't run around judging right. like Lady Gaga for making money. No, because people listen to her song in the same way we shouldn't judge Rick Warren because people bought
1: his book. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's very true. I it's very know. true.
0: Oh, that is just as last point which means i'm gonna have to come up with my own point (laughs) what
1: was the last one
0: her last point is that in religion some things are looked at as bad or having like having too much money or a house that's too big like in a religious mindset there's all these limits on like what you need to do with your money to be accepted or you have to look kind of poor or look kind of rich right depending on your viewpoint of religion like i need to show that i have the favor of the lord by driving a mercedes or i need to make sure that i'm not worldly by making sure i drive you know a 20 year old honda civic right you
1: know like the the two biggest lies that people have got bought in christianity are god only wants me to be happy and god only wants me to be miserable right those are the two biggest lies that have led to the most destructive messes in christianity both in terms of the way that the world and christianity and christians relate to each other and in terms of the people that get chewed up and spit out by the church right those are the two lies that will kill every single time and 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 i would say probably come down probably every lie you've ever believed in relationship with god has come down to one of those two foundational things you either think god wants you to be miserable or he wants you to just be happy.
0: What's crazy is how quickly people infer that from sermons and the way people talk about God. They infer that God just wants me to be happy. Yeah. All he cares about is my happiness. Yeah. Or obviously this is going to be the way God's moving my life because I hate that. And so that's probably going to be what he asked me to do. He wants me to be completely miserable.
1: Right. Right. Because I've known people, it's like, they will go and they will see two options they'll be like man that's the one i really want don't want to do so that's the one god wants me to do no your disdain for something does not <laughs> indicate that it's the holy spirit telling you to do right. that thing no more than your conscience not you know being clear on something means that that's the thing you're supposed to do right they they that you're not the barometer you don't get to be the barometer of that he does yeah and uh and yeah i've i've seen so much destruction with with those two things and both of them are religious Neither yep. one of those have anything to do with holiness. Well,
0: that's because money in and of itself is amoral. Yes. Money does not have a morality. Yeah. Neither does a big house or any, like, any, like stuff of this world is all temporary anyway. It doesn't have a morality. It's about where your heart is in yes. relation to it. Yes. Yes. And, and if the Lord would ask you to give it up, how tightly you hold on to it. Right. And that's and, why. Or if the Lord wants to hand it to you, how
1: quickly you stiff arm it. Right. Well, and you see that, too, because you look at, uh, you know, you look at the, the people that Jesus interacted with. You know, you had Lazarus, who was wealthy. Mm-hmm. Jesus never told him to give up all of his possessions and follow him because his heart was already not owned by those things. Right. That was not an issue for Lazarus. But then you look at the rich young ruler. And he said, "Sell everything you have, give it all to the poor, and come follow me." Yeah, you do it. You've obeyed the Lord in everything. He actually like that's yeah, a really high he compliment. He
0: commended him. You've you've obeyed the Lord in everything. He is greatly pleased with you. Right. There is
1: this one thing, <laughs> <laughs> and it was an issue of the heart. It wasn't right. an issue of money. And when you hear Jesus talk about uh, rich people having trouble getting into heaven, it's not because they're wealthy. It's because that wealth had that wealth owned their heart. Right. But Jesus had plenty of wealthy friends that he didn't tell to do that. Right. And that he didn't castigate for having money. He just didn't. And so the idea that something like that is an indicator of holiness that poverty is an indicator of holiness or that wealth is an indicator of holiness is it just doesn't work. Because yeah. if if that's the case then then you know, you look at Lazarus and say, "Well, he never had relationship with Jesus." And you look at Nicodemus and say, "He never had a relationship with with Jesus." But then you'd say, "Well, Jesus must not have really been and uh, of the father because he lived he lived a poor man's life and lived off the donations of those that chose to do so and was a was a manual laborer yeah who you know never had any extra cash really on hand i mean it doesn't work it it just doesn't work on either end of that spectrum well and I, it people get this so twisted up because they're like
0: oh to have nothing is to be christ like in other words like i just heard somebody trying to promote socialism by saying okay people people say that you know christianity is intertwined with capitalism and i'm like well not christianity is not intertwined with capitalism but okay go ahead and the idea was if there's like if there's a command in scripture where you need to sell everything and give it to the poor then why are we not fully embracing socialism and i'm like because socialism says that you have to care for the poor at the end of a gun yeah like you will give us your money to give to the quote unquote poor at the end of a gun. And this is a little aside, but socialism never works because the people taking the money right. and that are supposed to give the money never give all of the money right. and never take the money in a, in, in a way that's, that's fair or moral or whatever. Yeah, And always scoop a little bit off the top and take care of themselves first and
1: then take care of the poor with whatever's
0: left. And in, that result end up making
1: everyone poor well and to be honest even in the church you know people want to point to the book of acts church right and say you know that's what they were pointing so if there was need yeah. they sold property and they brought it to the disciples feet. now to be clear there's never an indicator that somebody sold all of their property right or sold all that they had it's just they saw a need okay what can i get rid of to help with this need and they would come and lay it at the apostles feet and the apostles would then but what eventually happened with that system you get the eventual corruption of the catholic church yeah so even that as you started to remove it from the initial outpouring of the holy spirit from the holiness aspect of what was going on in that moment even that began to become corrupted and that was actually the sin of Ananias and Sapphira. yeah
0: when the lord struck them dead is because they came in with a religious mindset people were g- selling some of their property and giving it to the apostles And they sold their land and it doesn't say that they sold all of it yeah but the sin was that they said this was the full amount we sold all of this land and this was the full amount and they had really kept some back right so they were more concerned with looking like they were giving more than everyone else right and we're actually in this 110 percent not like you guys that are only giving like 50 (laughs) percent we're going to give all of our money plus some and look how great we are yeah. and it was a totally religious move right and the Lord was not messing around right with any of that right because that's not what it was about right and and even in the early church context like there was there was a lot of things going on in the Jerusalem church that once it expanded right. out it into the smaller churches in in the Greek and Roman world yep. like going a little further out some of those things were not possible right And they had to come up with whole systems of how to take care of widows and orphans because they were very concerned about that. But how do we do that equally in the different churches? And some of the churches that had a lot were trying to give to the churches that didn't have as much, but it was clear that people were running their own businesses. Right. Still, people had land and had funds and had houses. Right. Yes. They held church in some of those houses and but yet you meet Lydia and it's not like she gave up selling expensive clothes. Right. She sold expensive clothes and led a Bible study. Yeah. It wasn't like quit your job, sell (laughs) everything and come live in this commune in Nevada. Right. Like, no, that's not what we're being asked to do. (laughs) That's what always cracks me up about people all of a sudden, like really diving in on that one little verse and then being like, you should bring everything together. We should all live in a commune. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> We're missing the missional aspect and right. heart. Well, and it
1: and again, in the end, that misses the heart. Mm-hmm. It's saying it's it's saying actions over over purity, actions over the right. heart, and it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work because it leads to corruption it leads to elitism it leads to the things that you see in ananias and sapphira where i want to be perceived as so i will do this that or the other they were they were like the original like virtue signalers i mean they just straight up were that 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 is not a new concept at all at all um
0: and that's that my argument against capitalism socialism is a different argument we did a whole episode on why we're capitalist and it has nothing to do with why we're christian no that's a that's a economic argument yes but it's also to say listen when we're talking about holiness and religion when you start assigning government systems to a to a relationship driven heart issue yeah it's not going to jive that's why you that's why you have democrat and republican christians because it doesn't that that kind of stuff is not what makes you christian or not right Like how you think about politics and how you think about government and all of that doesn't itself make you a Christian.
1: And really, when it comes down to it, the economy of God, the economy of heaven is what is he telling you to do? Right. Not what should we collectively do? What is he instructing you to do? Because it's about relationship. It's about relationship with him, you and him. And that will translate to the way that you affect and encounter the world around you. Holiness is
0: about obedience. Like, if you want that pure heart, it's about being obedient in every regard. Right. Like, that could lead you to do some really hard things, but it could also lead you to do something that uh, blesses you over and abundantly more than you ever thought possible because the economy of heaven is literally limitless. We serve a God who has no bounds whatsoever. He is not bound by our economy. He's not bound by you know what we have available to us. Right. I you know, I listened to the uh why am I blanking on his last name that the missionary that comes to our church and talks um from Papua New Guinea oh, yeah, yeah, yeah who um, runs a medical center yes, over there. Yes. And <laughs> I'm blanking that too. Radcliffe. Yeah. Yes. And uh and Ben, Ben Radcliffe. Yes, yes. Anyway. Yes. So just the the amount of time where you're saying, okay, but they lack so many things. But yet they have so many things. Right. And what and being able to accomplish the things that they've accomplished is is incredibly miraculous right and yet actually works in the economy of heaven through people being obedient yeah and i'm like it's just a microcosm of how all of this works you can see both the need and the lack and also the supply right of the lord through people that are just obedience and all of it coming together in the right time yeah like that's how these things work right It's why I believe in tithing because it makes, it makes me constantly submit all of my finances. Yeah. The 10% that I give to the Lord means that the hundred percent is his. Yeah. And I'm respecting that. Like that's a check in my heart. As I write that check, it's like, all right, here we go. Because all of this is his, and this is my way,
1: your acknowledgement of of that, of
0: saying that. And it's something that the Lord chooses, to back up and saying, you've surrendered all of it to me, so I will make sure you have what you need. Yeah, And that's not saying I'm always gonna be fabulously wealthy. I actually <laughs> expect my income to go up and down quite a few times. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, like I have no expectation that what I'm currently making is gonna be what I'm gonna make in the future. Yeah. But I don't mind because 100% of what I'm going to make is his yeah. and 100% of the needs that I'm going to have are also his. Yeah. And one of my friends used to say, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. <laughs> he's got you it, You follow him and he's supposed to. That's just writing the check. He's the one who cashes it. Yeah. And I'm like, Nah, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm not into bumper sticker theology, but it's not bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I would I would just I would just say part of this, too, is, you know, to the Christians out there who are struggling with this whole thing. Be careful what you put on the world. Right. Be careful about looking at the world and saying, this is my standard of holiness. You need to be that. Yeah, that's this because, is a big part of it. Because the world doesn't need to be holy. They need to find Jesus. Right. They'll get to that. If they start with Jesus, if we can offer yes. them Jesus, if we can show them Jesus, and if we can love them like Jesus, the other things will begin to take care of themselves. I think religion does put that stuff on the world. Yeah. If you guys would just get it right, you could be in a relationship with God. Totally. And to be (laughs) quite honest, Christians, I'm going to take a swipe at us here. Most of the time, you only want a certain thing to be legislated or to be said or to be represented in the public square because you want your life to be easier. Right. You want to be either seen as the morally superior or... You want to be in a place where your temptation, like we were talking about before with the issue of lust in certain certain realms, you want this particular temptation to be removed or this thing yeah. that offends you to be removed. We have never been told as Christians that we were going to stop struggling, right. that we were going to stop... Having these, certain I need a desires, tax break for my charitable donations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be a real test of most of our character. The day that that no longer becomes tax deductible, right? That will be a very big test. See how many people still still continue surrender to surrender to the Lord. In but that. but the thing is, it's like you have to. You let weren't go. promised that the government was going to do that. <laughs> you have, yeah. That's the thing that's interesting too. You have to realize too that people were still taxed inordinately, horribly by the Roman government, even while they were giving right. at that time. There was no connection to that. There was no such thing as relief for charitable giving. <laughs> you just paid what they told you. You did it. And what you had left over was what you had left over. And yeah, that's all you, you had to do. You were a with. subjugated culture. Yes. But yeah, don't don't put those things on the world because that's not our job. We're not the Holy Spirit. Our job is to communicate with the Holy Spirit and see what he is saying to us. And if anything, we have an obligation to speak to the church right. about these things and to look at ourselves because we are the church and speak to these things but to look at the world and condemn them and damn them for what they're doing or not doing is not the heart of God has never been the heart of God and is not operating out of holiness that's operating out of religion
0: yeah I was there was a pastor I was following on Twitter and he said in 40 years of ministry I've never seen one person brought to Christianity because of the anger of a Christian yeah I've seen thousands come to him because of their love yes
1: yes and it's and it's complicated when, when you have the right. world coming into your church and you're having to navigate these things, it gets hairy and it gets messy.
0: But in a way, it's not totally complicated Yeah, because Jesus himself would sit with sinners all of the time and not he was not condemning them for where they were. Right. When when they asked, what do I need to do? He would tell them. Yeah and and
1: you know he would speak to, to, to treat a heart them the same issue. and continue to treat them the same whether they took that to heart or not but he protected people with a pure heart too like yes. the the
0: woman that came in and anointed his feet yeah and they're like Wow, she just spent like a year's worth of salary and dumped it out on your feet. Aren't you going to say anything about her money? He's like, you guys look at this scenario and you're seeing money. What is wrong with you? This is a woman pouring out her heart and her tears. And like, she's, she's already received forgiveness of her sins in this very moment. And you guys are worried about how much money she spent. What's wrong with you? Oh, man. If Jesus had a high voice, that's what it would have sounded like. Oh no, like. Jesus definitely <laughs> had a high voice. Yeah. I
1: guarantee it. You don't start shouting snakes, vipers, and hypocrites yeah. without having I'm a high voice. Calling people whitewashed tombs. Whitewashed tombs. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. 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 Mister Rogers, Jesus was not. No. Not at all. But
0: but he was he when when relating to the world. He did not, and I think this is what we miss about John 317. But God sent not his son into the world to condemn yeah. the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Right. Christians in the Western culture go into the world to condemn the world. Yeah. And that's the wrong way around. Right. We should be going in and saying, there's salvation available. Yeah. Like we love you. Yeah. And and we were all loved into the kingdom somehow. Right. 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 The the reason that the reason that any of this relationship with God was open to us is because love was expressed in our direction.
1: Right. Had it not been, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. And I, I think that's another thing too, that we miss is that holiness is not offended by questions. No. And first of all, holiness is not offended. Period. Yeah. It's, it's just not. Yeah. If, if there's a talk about that
0: a little while yeah. ago about becoming unoffendable, yeah.
1: if but there yeah. is, if there is a in you, that ain't Jesus. And you, you need to deal with that because that's you. That's a you thing. You need to deal with that. But you know what does offend me is the religious spirit that drives
0: people away. Yes. Like you have to look this way in order to come here. No, I'm glad
1: they're here. Would you please shut up? Yes. <laughs> and I I, won- that, that's I wonder that's the only time like- I wonder. This is one of those things when the when scripture talks about offending the Holy Spirit and what that is or that isn't, you get oh, to speculate yeah. on that because there's no specific. Right. But I often wonder how much offending the Holy Spirit is related to that very thing where a person who claims the name of Christ stiff arms someone from the world because of what they're not doing or how they're not measuring up to their standard, not to the Holy Spirit's yeah. standard and pushes them away from the church forever. When we set a standard, he does not. And pushes them away from Jesus forever Right. because of that. I Again, I don't know what the unforgivable sin is, but I do not want to stand before God with that sign hanging around my neck. Right. Not at all. and uh, That and is I think, pretty sobering. And I think we do. We need to be careful of that. And again, there, I think there's grace for everything. I think that once the re- realization of those things have come, I do think there's forgiveness there. I think there's grace there. But to continue to operate in that manner and to and to allow what you claim to be relationship with God to yeah. give you license to not just judge but to despise someone that he's created. Yeah. Whew,
0: that's... Relationship with God looks like me; it doesn't look like you. <sighs> that's rough. Yeah. 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 And I think that's what is meant by taking the Lord's name in vain.
2: Yes, I agree. I really do. I completely Saying agree. Saying
0: something that God God says, blah blah blah. Yeah. If God did not say and you say that God says, you've taken the Lord's name in vain. Absolutely. There's nothing to back it up. If you say what God says and He backs it up, that's using the Lord's name correctly. That's praying. In Jesus' name. Right. Like not just tacking that on at the end. But if you're really praying in, in the name of Jesus, you're praying something that he's going to come in and back up. Yeah. If you say he says, and he <laughs> doesn't say, and he doesn't back you up, you've used it in vain, buddy. <laughs> because we know that we know that the, the Lord's word, when it goes out into the world, accomplishes what it sets out to do.
1: Right. Every time.
0: Every time. So if you use the lord's name and it doesn't accomplish and it there's nothing there to back it up you've used it in vain right and and it's not just saying gd right that's not it (laughs) that's true (laughs) that's true oh man although in some ways that could that could work as well because if god didn't actually send it to hell yes and you say he did (laughs) or should (laughs) or should yes or could conceivably (laughs) I'm not sure how many hammers actually make it all the way to hell. Yeah. <laughs> but many people I <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, wasn't sure we were going to get here but here we are.
1: Oh, that's hilarious.
0: <laughs> but no, yeah, I think I think you made an important point that uh ho- like holiness, a pure heart, a real relationship with God is not offended by someone's questions or challenges to faith or asking that faith be reasonable. Or any of those things. Like it's not offended or yeah. Even disagreeing on things like that is not a problem in, in real relationship. That's the way things work. Yeah. In, in relationship, you talk things out. You don't just, if every time I disagreed, I just told Jess, well, that's just not how you relate to me. (laughs) (laughs) How far do you think I'd get? That's well, that's simply incorrect. (laughs) Clearly. You do not want a relationship because relationship <laughs> looks like me. It doesn't look like you. Oh, at that man. point, I have no relationship. It's no. pretty easy to see.
1: None at all. <laughs> None at all. Not winning with that at all. No. Oh, my it's, it's
0: in the dialogue. It's in the back and forth. It's in the messy stuff of, of life that we find relationship, and that's often how people find God.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I would argue in that, the questions. Well, and I and I argue that, that that's how anybody's ever found relationship with God is through encounter with those who have encountered him and know what it means to love him and be loved by him right. and they demonstrate that. And right. they they pass that love on to you regardless of who you are, or what you've done or what you're doing or what you're choosing. Mhm. And um unfortunately we've given the world a reason to not portray us in that way. Um and again, I, I think that it there is a an aspect of unfairness where you've allowed a minority of bad actors to, oh, yeah. you know, to represent something and saying, well, this is how everyone is. Um but I also think, you know, things like social media, Facebook, you know, they've they've made this thing worse. Right. In some ways, because you you remove the humanity of a person, you remove the aspects uh, aspects of them as a person that. That demonstrate the divine image that's in them, you lose those things and they just become a picture and whatever the words are that they've said, and you can eviscerate them and take a swing at them that you would a never take in person. Right. But b Acting as a child of God and as a representation of Jesus, you would never do. Yeah. But it's like it gives us some weird some weird uh, autonomy from our christianity in that moment. And it's it's gross, man. It's toxic. And uh I would encourage anybody to just, you know, if I could get if I could get a mass exodus from Facebook, I would do it. If I but, could but if I could lead that, that, I would do it. Like
0: if you think about the Mount Rushmore of people that have impacted you and have really made a difference in your life, how little press those people have gotten. Oh, totally. I was just thinking back, like some of the people that have been most profoundly impactful to my spiritual journey, Uh, nobody's ever going to talk about them. But you will talk incessantly about Jerry Falwell Jr. or, you know, (laughs) any number of examples that just don't represent what what we're talking about here, like don't represent things well. Right. You know, you'll point to the TV preacher or somebody else that, or whoever's had the most recent fall from grace and right. be like, well, look at him. Yeah. Well, I can point to you 40 people that you will never know their names right? and yet have all had an overwhelming impact in my life and the life of others. And you're never going to get that. And the same thing, th- that's what troubles me about Facebook and all of this. People get a bad view of a church or even our particular church yeah. from like three or four people. Totally. That just pop off on Facebook. Yeah, it's totally okay, true. okay. So three or four people popped off on Facebook. That means 900 and 997 people did not. <laughs> if we have a thousand people in church on a Sunday and three people are popping off on Facebook, yeah, then there's a good chance that, you know, eight hundred people are awesome and doing right. just fine. Right. And they're just not on Facebook. Right. Either they're A not on there, B, they're not saying anything, or what they're saying is Is so kind and loving that nobody would possibly disagree. But who's getting who's getting all the clicks? Who are people looking at? Right. That in that way it is unfair. Yeah. But on the other way, we've been we in the Christian circle have been very unfair to culture. Yeah. And when culture asks a question, we're like, ah, shut up, pagans. Yeah. It's like no, that's not how this goes. Right. Well, you're all just a bunch of atheists and amoral and just doing whatever you want. Clearly, you don't understand what people (laughs) (laughs) without. God would do like it's it you're you're holding them to a standard that is impossible
1: yeah 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 anytime you put upon somebody and say be 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 this way without Jesus yeah it's never good it's all bad why don't you all be holy so you can relate to the Lord (laughs) (laughs) oh
0: man it's not what it's about yeah (sighs) How
1: deep? Uh, oh, yep. This is about the right time. About so, the time.
2: Yeah. Okay. I have
0: truly enjoyed this.
2: This I went by
1: too. much quicker than I thought. I, I have thought. too. Yeah. Other than our our technical glitch at the beginning, where we had to figure out how all this worked. Yeah. We didn't get to your quotes. We also didn't get to
0: my whole thing about eternity, which I think we'll get to. At yes, some point. I think that'll be a whole. I, I want to talk about like the eternal nature of God and some of the questions that brings up. Yes. And some of the things it solves for me, but. Spoiler alert, just read Mere Christianity, and yes. it will help you a lot.
1: So good. So good.
0: Anyway, topic for another time. Yes, yes. Come back
1: and join us later. Absolutely. We'll be back when we feel like it. Yeah, yes. whenever that is. All right. We'll see you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.